Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Since the fall of man, a war has raged between good and evil. Over the centuries, this war has distorted the truth. Now the truth is perceived as lies, and lies acknowledged as truth. To this day, the battle continues as we investigate and debate the truth behind the history and mystery of the universe. We are Paratruth Radio. Entertainment can be found in many formats. Radio, music, stage plays, But one of the most notorious formats of media is moving picture. Whether it be a weekly television series or a cinematic motion picture on the silver screen, you can bet that there are millions of people turning in to watch. Today, we dive into a format of motion picture called the short film. But not just any short film. Today, we discuss the most popular genre of film known, and that is horror. Now Paratruth presents The Lady in White Film with special guest Lewis Guthrie. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Paratruth Radio. <laughs> My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And uh, we are broadcasting on the Paratruth Radio Network as always now. Uh, so so happy that you guys can join us. So tonight, uh, we've got a pretty interesting topic and, and guest coming on. Uh, we're going to be talking to Lewis Guthrie about his short film that's going to be coming out around the same time as The Revealed uh, called The Lady in White. Uh, very interesting topic and uh, one that Erica and I can then actually touch more base on on the actual uh, legends and stuff like that uh, later on. Or we might even do it while, while Lewis is on the show uh, mm-hmm. because we do like to rabbit trail a little bit, but it'd be good to get his t- his take on on the lady in white. Oh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. So, uh, Lewis is uh, all set and ready to roll for tonight. Um, he was, as Eric said last week, he was like jumping on the Paratruth bandwagon, like, yeah. guys, I'm going to be on this show promoting the the movie. So uh, I know he's super ex- excited to get on here. All right, folks, we're going to go to the line with Lewis Guthrie. Lewis, welcome to Paratruth Radio. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Thank you for having me. All right. So uh, we wanted to get you on to talk about uh, your your upcoming film, Lady, The Lady in White. Uh, but uh, before we get that started, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started in filmmaking and uh, into the horror genre in general? Um, well, for those who don't know, I'm a student at Liberty University here in Lynchburg, Virginia. Um, I'm actually a classmate of Eric's. And uh, I always had a desire to do filmmaking. So a few years ago, um, back in the summer of 2013, 
I decided before coming here um, to put together a small little production, and we did a uh, remake of uh, Night of the Living Dead, the classic George Romero flick. Okay. And, and uh, it was nothing big. It was a shoestring budget, um, but we got a little bit of local press and uh, had a showing that October, and um, we ended up, we did it as a charity event for the uh, uh, Children's Miracle Network at the Southern Virginia Education Center in South Boston, Virginia. Uh, we raised up to about $1,000 oh, with wow. two sold-out showing Halloween, and we had an additional showing a couple of weeks later, and uh, all the proceeds went to the Children's Miracle Network to, uh, you know, help children out. And... Uh, from there, I came here, and the Lady in White is my senior thesis film for this program here, the film program. Now, for a lot of people out there, they don't fully understand the process of filmmaking and what all goes into it. Um, and I know, you know, you and I know about it. Obviously, I've talked to Justin about it numerous times. But uh, just, just for everyone's reference you know can you tell us a little bit uh of what went into making the lady in white and what perhaps was the hardest part of making it um well like anything film wise or any creative aspect preparation is key and i would definitely say the hardest well I, the most challenging part of the whole process was the preparation um given the uh, location of the film. The film takes place within a police station. I wanted an actual police station. And I talked with uh, the uh, county administrator and local PD back home in South Boston, Virginia. And we ended up getting the old um, Halifax County uh, Sheriff's Office. They had just recently moved to a new facility, so the old facility was just uh, empty, and that was a few months of negotiations and just trying to make sure all the lines were all your T's are crossed and all your I's dotted. Um, but other than that, I think that was probably the most challenging. That definitely took the longest, and uh, other than that was casting. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot. It's a it's a big process. Oh, just I- to get to that. <laughs> Yeah, I have no doubt. <laughs> Just for what Eric went through, I have no doubt. Uh, so, uh, what made you decide on this particular topic? Why is the lady in white? A few years ago, when I was still in community college, uh, me and a bunch of friends, we just decided, let's try and make a short little video a week. Uh, it was a personal project for me. It was a 52-week project. And... We, we did it, and one of the videos we decided I decided to do was actually, ironically, a part of a uh, marketing and branding class okay. in my community college. Um, as then it, I wanted to do in the filmmaking, so we did the whole thing of uh, uh, business cards, a logo, which if you are a fan of my page or see anything, you will see the Guthrie Films logo. That is the logo I made for that at that time. And one of the key elements was you have to actually make a product 
for this class. And in doing my personal project, I figured, why not kill two birds with one stone and make a short horror film uh, back then for that class. And that was what The Lady in White eventually became. Um, it was kind of the same co concept. Uh, we call it the apparition. Um, basically, a guy being excuse me, interrogated by a detective and this ghostly entity um, haunting him. And uh, we actually have a legend, kind of a legend of a banshee back home. I've heard it a few times and uh, that was kind of a slight inspiration mm. and uh, being here having all this new equipment and having years of a uh, few more years of experience I wanted to update it and so uh, that's how I got the process of doing the Lady in White yeah. and uh, as far as the legend goes it the original concept we did really had none of that. Um, this was just something I felt was a well-known uh, urban legend or ghost topic, and I just kind of took off with it. Mm -hmm. So, in regards to the urban legend, I know you said there was, uh, well, you just had mentioned that you'd heard the urban legend a couple of times. I'm assuming the urban legend did not actually hear the banshee. I would um, hope not. <laughs> uh, no. no, no. <laughs> so, but in, in regards to the urban legend, how much did you stay on track with the the base legend? Because, you know, I know there's a number of different, uh, I guess, legends out there, or mm -hmm. a couple of different versions of the legend. Um, did you end up just coming up with it all yourself and just adding a bit of the legend in there? Or did you really take from the whole of the legend itself? For the Lady in White. For the Lady in White, yes. Um, the most I think I took from it was seeing a young woman in white on the side of a road. Mm -hmm. I think that's the most I took from it. I Yes, the film is called The Lady in White. Yes, we refer to the entity as The Lady in White. For me personally... I view the uh, the entity as being whatever the audience wants it to be. To be, is it is she a ghost? Is she a demon? Is she something else? That is up for the audience's interpretation. Mm -hmm. um, but again, drawing on the actual legend, I just took the very minute basics of it. I am not. I'm probably not as familiar with the full legend or the offshoots of the legend as you guys probably are. Uh, so most of it was, and the story is my own interpretation. Okay. Okay. Well, to educate you a little bit about the lady in white or the white lady, uh, it actually has kind of a banshee feel to the one legend that's behind it. Uh, 
it, the white lady usually came around when there was somebody in a particular family that was going to pass away. Uh, there have been other legends of a young woman in white who passes away and ends up, like in your movie, walking on the side of the road in after her death and causing these different things. Uh, I mean, most of the time it's just people passing her by. They see her walking. You know, they come up to her to say, you know, do you need help or something? And she just vanishes. Uh, but there have been numerous uh, urban legends and cases of this lady in white coming about. So uh, it's very interesting that uh, you stuck to that particular part of the legend of the, the young lady walking down the street and somebody coming up upon her. Um, Eric had uh, mentioned before the show here that uh, you'd went with more of a thriller-type horror compared to jump-scare-type horror. Uh, what made you decide to do that? I think it's more effective. Um Jump scares are easy to do, and I'm not going to say we don't have jump scares in, in our film. Um, every horror movie pretty much has it, but it is more of a psychological thriller than an actual straightforward horror film, in my opinion. Um, that being, you, I took the less is more aspect. Um, look at Jaws. Look at Alien, mm. the first one. Yeah. You don't really see the monster at all until the end. And that was kind of the direction I went with this film. Um, all the promotional uh, images of the lady in white, you never see her face. And that was something I wanted to keep even in this film is you never will see her face for what she truly is. Okay. You will see her as this beautiful young woman, but as being this dark entity, uh, a demon, let's just say, um, you don't actually see that face because I think seeing the true face of evil, not seeing the true face of evil is more terrifying than actually seeing it. Mm-hmm. And seeing the effects it does to the main character of the film, <coughs> well, the two characters, the detective and the uh, guy <laughs> interrogated, seeing their uh, uh, responses to this interrogation, to the story that guy's telling um, over the course of the film and the happenings around the station is more terrifying than if I just threw the monster in the middle of the room. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and on top of that, I mean, when you're talking about trying to... Uh, I guess censor the the creature's face or the spirit's face, the monster's face, whatever it is. It leaves the audience uh, to their imagination, and as we know, the imagination is much more powerful than anything that you can see yeah. on, a, on a daily basis. And I know Justin, you and I have covered this numerous times uh, on numerous episodes throughout the last year and a half, uh, which is just yeah, you know, it's interesting to me to think just how vivid our imaginations can be. And I don't know about any of you guys, but when you are sitting, you know, at home alone in the dark after watching a horror film, your mind sometimes starts to run wild if that film had got to you a little bit. And that's when you really start getting scared, you know, and things get creepy. Uh, the one thing I wanted to mention after you, had, Justin, you had mentioned uh, or talked about 
the lady in white and some of the legends behind her. The one thing that's interesting, Lewis, in, in regards to your film is that there is a separate legend of the lady in white or a branch off of the legend in which it's a deceased lover, a woman who, uh, was in love with somebody who had cheated on her and hurt her in the past. And sure enough, the idea is, or I guess the the story is, that if a guy is driving down the road, and this happens to be someone who was unfaithful to their own loved one, uh, she will appear on the side of the road, wave down for help, they'll pick her up, and then she'll lead them to their death in the car. And usually it ends up in a car accident. So it is very interesting, like, you, you didn't really know about that legend, and yet you still kind of, you know, mm. have this similar approach in a way, which is really cool. Which is uh, funny because it, if you think about Greek mythology, the sirens were that mm-hmm. same creature that led people to their deaths, but it was with their voice instead of, right. like, getting into a car nowadays. So right. it's very intriguing. It is very intriguing. And then you got a question, like, if that's the case, and we're talking about these two legends that really do mesh in some way, could they be one in the same spirit? Just over the years, they've changed a little bit, you know? Um, if we're talking about it being real, you know, if the right. spirit really is true, you know, call it a demon or whatever you want, or some kind of uh, pagan god, could it have over time seen how the world was changing and decided, okay, we can no longer be this siren creature that's half woman, half bird. Now let's appear as this beautiful woman on the side of the road, uh, flagging down cars instead of ships. And, you know, it's just kind of the same thing. And you got to wonder what kind of thought went into this in regards to the spiritual realm. You know, is there a true connection here or, you know, is it just coincidence? Right. Don't know. Well, one thing I do have to comment on is, uh, Lewis, I hadn't seen the trailer to the film because I hadn't uh, befriended you or uh, started following the the film on Facebook until uh, just a couple days ago. Saw the trailer. Man, I'm excited for for The Lady in White. I'm also excited for The Revealed. I told Eric uh, The Revealed trailer left goosebumps. Same thing for The Lady in White. Very, very chilling uh, trailer, so I could just imagine what the movie's going to be like. Uh, hopefully, it's uh, hopefully it's more chilling than the trailer was. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, uh, now, actually, before you go on, Justin, because now that you brought it up, I was going to pass on it. But, but uh, Lewis, you had mentioned something just a little while ago about how jump scares are too easy, and you think that uh, this thriller type thing is much more effective now. We're looking at your film right now. I'm comparing my film to your film. You know, they are both horror films, but I did use a little bit more of the uh, jump scare tactic as opposed to the typical thriller. So now I've got to call you out on this, man. <laughs> so, okay. I mean, what, dude, come on, man. What are you trying to tell me about my film here, huh? I've seen your film, and okay. I... I have you shown me the final version yet? I don't, uh, think, I don't right. think you've seen the final version yet, no. Yeah, I saw a rough last semester. Yeah. Um, your film and my film are different in that aspect, but I will be honest, I do remember seeing some of the scenes in your film and getting a little creeped out by it. <laughs> so, it, I'm not saying it's completely ineffective, obviously it does work. Right. Um, just for my own personal taste, 
when it comes to the uh, horror or thriller genre. I like that slow build-up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like more of the things that aren't there as opposed to the things that are there. Right. Um, not to say that you should never show the monster, but, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> I, I somehow just you knew, me out. yeah, I just knew that that was going to come and up. You, you know what he's thinking? He's like, oh, crap, 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 what do I do? Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah, so I, I kind of had a feeling that was going to come up as soon as Lewis said that. But, uh, and you know what? I'm hanging up on you. You're done, Lewis. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, uh, you know, one thing that I actually have to agree with both you guys, uh, from Lewis's perspective, uh, I, I do believe the thriller can have a very profound effect on people, uh, as much as the jump scare effect, because, uh, you know, as Eric, you said, you know, you and I have talked numerous times about people's minds doing what what uh, they want because they're in the scare mode. And as I said the one time, you know, after watching The Ring, uh, I was pretty scared to be in a room with the TV by myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> agree. <laughs> so, uh, uh, well, yeah, I do agree on on both ends. Um, now, uh, Lewis, before we take our first break, uh, the one thing I wanted to ask you is, what are your, your expectations, your, your, uh, plans for the Lady in White? Um, I'm hoping to, uh, submit it to some festivals. I'm hoping it gets into some festivals. I'll submit it to whatever festival I can, I can. Um, of course, every filmmaker's goal is Sundance. Right. Uh, or something similar. Um, I'll definitely, if it fits the uh, criteria to actually getting into Sundance as a short film, I'll definitely submit it. Um, again, if it gets in or not, that's up to the judges. Right. But I, I think we have done good enough work on this. I had a phenomenal cast, um, which Eric was a part of, and I had a wonderful, wonderful Sorry, crew. A phenomenal crew. I, I, was, I was part of the cast as well, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's so, right. You were an extra. God, um, see, he always he always finds a way to undermine me. Man. <laughs> I had a but, uh, I had a phenomenal cast and crew. Everyone did an amazing job. Um, it's at my expectations, and I think the work we've done on this is worthy of film festivals. I'm not going to jinx myself and say I should be in Sundance, <laughs> but. <laughs> Um, cause I'd be happy if I got into, you know, Joe Schmo's mm-hmm. film festival. Right. It's just to get my name out there, get the cast and the crew names out there, and hopefully right person will see it and be like, hey, I got an idea, come make a movie or come work on this. Right. So it's basically a calling card to get your foot in the door. Right. And I hope it's something that people will enjoy, of course. Oh, I have no doubts for both of you guys that you, people will enjoy these short films. Uh, I said to Eric, uh, and I'll say to you, to Lewis, I've seen so many independent films just on like Netflix that look like they were shot with a 
handheld camcorder and are the most garbage you've ever seen. Uh, I do know that you guys have better equipment than that there, so I have no doubt that these movies are going to be amazing just because of the trailers. Uh, but, uh, folks, I think we're going to take our first break here. You're listening to Paratruth Radio right here on the Paratruth Radio Network. We'll be right back with our guest, Lewis Guthrie, after Eric's Random Fact of the Day. Everyone is given a name at birth, but did you know that dolphins do it too? According to Factsides.com, dolphins give each other names and will answer to it, even when called by dolphins they don't know. Bonjour. This is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor, and every week I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food, whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week, we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique. My guests are all about French food, so come join me on... Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Bon app. All right, folks, welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name's Justin. And I'm Eric. And we've been talking to Lewis Guthrie about his film, The Lady in White. Uh, we just got done talking about uh, his uh, expectations of getting into the film festivals. And I know, Eric, that's your expectation as well with the revealed uh now, Eric, this is kind of directed at you. Uh, since you did do work on both films, uh, how do you how do you feel that uh, the Lady in White went compared to the reveal? Did it all go smoothly for both films? Did one kind of have a little more hiccups than the other? Uh, <clears throat> alright. Well, it depends on what we mean when we're talking about hiccups. Because for me, I didn't really have any issues in regards to actually filming at the location. Uh, th- th- there were a couple things that just weren't um, communicated correctly, I suppose. So I had a little issue at the very beginning of filming. But a lot of the problems that I had were financially. And it was due to some individuals who just didn't, you know, it is on me too, who just didn't quite... Uh, keep our eyes on everything around us and we sometimes forgot little things in regards to protecting the electricity bill and whatnot. Oh, okay. Uh, or uh, for one thing in, that's really important is when you're filming near a kitchen, you want to turn off the fridge because you can pick that up on audio. And so we turned the fridge off and somebody forgot to turn it back on. So that costs quite a bit of money there. As for Lewis's film, I think for the most part, everything pretty much went smoothly. I know it was a little tougher, a little more difficult once we got out to Halifax, uh, where we filmed at the police station. That was kind of difficult just because it was this huge move, uh, which is, you know, about an hour away or so, a little over an hour away. Um, we had to stay in hotels for the weekend and just trying to secure everything and keeping everybody quiet because it was so empty there. You know, you, you can just hear a tiny sound 
all the way down the other end of the hall. And so, you know, they're constantly running back and forth because you can yell, but they can't hear you. So there are a couple of difficult things here and there uh, that we had to deal with. But And I know one of our guys had gotten sick at, at one point. Uh, our audio guy and so we had to figure out what to do there you know to get our new audio guy in and get him sped up and you know so there are a couple issues on both ends i think there's always an issue somewhere when you're filming there's always going to be a hiccup um but it's more so not whether or not you get past it but it's how you get past it some people just get really angry and frustrated yeah. uh but i think on both my film set and a lewis's film set everyone was so um honoring toward each other and respectable uh, that it just helped everything go smoothly. So, cool, cool, cool. Uh, Lewis, same for you. Uh, as far as just the lady in white, uh, as far as what Eric was saying, is that all that you kind of ran into as far as any type of problems or hiccups? Um, yeah, I mean, overall, the, the shoot was very, very smooth um, okay. from day one. I think. Like you said, the first day in Halifax, that was a 15 or 16 hour day. Mm-hmm. And that was getting up, I know at least for me, at 5.30 in the morning, picking up our, um, the assistant director, uh, Eric Bone, and just going to Halifax and just, it was a long day. <laughs> and, uh, we had a night shoot that night and uh we filmed out uh, in the boonies mm-hmm. at my uh on a road near my uncle's house and we had a generator one light and a fog machine and the uh was actually when you watch the film the opening shot of the film the very first scene you see that scene took us three hours to get done um simply because we're out in the elements and we are in a moving vehicle going down the road. It's a POV shot where we actually see the lady in white on the side of the road. And we have a rain machine going and we have fog and we just could not get the lighting and the fog to work right. And having to wait for that thing to reset. That was probably the most challenging evening when you say Eric, oh yeah, absolutely. I think uh, uh, Mother Nature is probably one of the biggest issues when it comes to filming outdoors. Is I know the way Lewis wanted the fog, and I, I hope that we got it because I know Eric and uh, Eric Bone and I were working desperately on trying to figure out how to get this fog to stay over the street when we were filming. But unfortunately, every time we do it, shoot it, uh, or push the button to get the f- uh, fog out, the wind would blow and just. Push it all off the road and she's gone. So it took us a while just to get. I mean, how many shots would you say were there, Lewis? Total. I think we. I think we did three or four shots. Three or four shots in three hours. That's the. Three or four shots, but you're having to reset. Reset, yeah. Do everything, Um, but I will say that entire sequence, not just that one shot, but the entire scene that that shot was apart I think is probably the best scene in the entire film it's definitely one of the most beautiful scenes in the entire mm-hmm. film because we filmed it in two locations right. uh, and they matched yeah, up pretty darn uh, well yeah because we we had our actress who plays the lady what she is a friend of mine 
from Halifax. And our main actor, he lives in Lynchburg, so he couldn't come down for that weekend. So we filmed all his stuff within inside of the vehicle uh, the first night. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just waited until that weekend to do all of the stuff with um, Emily, the uh, actress who plays the lady in white. So... Um, Overall, it, it turned out to be an amazing scene, and I'm actually really surprised at how well it actually did match together. <clears throat> so, Lewis, let's start with you. In regards to uh, horror, is probably one of the most famous genres out there. People, for some reason, absolutely love horror. Uh, you, you know, we're talking about your film. It's a horror film. We've talked about my film, which is a horror film. There are so many horror films out there that I love. You know, I just absolutely enjoy them. Whether it be uh, American World from Paris, American World from London, switch those. The other ones came, came first. Yeah. Um, Not to mention, I liked London compared to Paris better, just because of the old school effects <sighs> for me. Or okay, well, you're old school because you're old, <laughs> older than me for yeah. once, Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Why do you think people have such a, uh, I'm going to use this word, fetish for horror films? Because it seems like every Halloween people need horror films, yeah. even Christmas time. Why? Because they're fun. I, I don't think there's any other genre that is more fun than horror, at least in, in watching and in making. Them. Um, I love all genres of films. Most most genres. Some I don't like, but <laughs> uh, but uh, it's escapism. It's definitely like let's take drama for instance. Dramas um, nine times out of ten, dramas are pretty much they can happen in real life. Mm-hmm. They do happen in real life. Um, for instance, The Godfather is a, a drama, a crime drama, but that's real. Right. Um, people in the mafia do exist, and they do have normal, everyday, mundane lives like the rest of us. Mm-hmm. However, you take a movie like um, Nightmare on Elm Street, I don't think you're going to see a guy with gloves in your dreams and kills you. So it's... It might be a little depraved, it might be a little sick, but it is an escapism to um, kind of get out of reality for a little bit and just get a little bit of thrills going with, you know, a guy coming at you with a machete or creatures uh, running, around, running around your town destroying things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think subconsciously we kind of enjoy it. So that's just my take on it. All right. Justin, any thoughts? Uh, well, I think the biggest thing, like, I'm just like you guys, I'm a huge uh, horror fan. And uh, one of the biggest things for me is, and I'm sure a lot of people too, is the adrenaline. You get that adrenaline going because you're scared, and it almost acts like a drug, so to speak, because you're, your mind's racing, you, you know, your blood's going and you just are on high alert and that adrenaline just keeps going uh, until you know it finally wears off but I think that's a huge part of it um, people are looking for that that thrill factor just like people that go on roller coasters you know same same effect 
Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I would completely agree with both of you guys. Now, I know, personally, I, I'm not the biggest fan of horror films. And I watch them here and there, but it's not something that I purposely go to the theater to see. Uh, usually, if a horror film comes out, I just wait until it's on DVD. It's, I don't know why. I, just I do don't. that with most movies, unfortunately, because it's yeah. <laughs> less expensive just to buy the DVD to watch it a hundred times because yeah. you go to watch it once. But, you know, what are you going to say, Lewis? See, I will... Um I, I'm kind of like you, Eric. A lot of people think I'm like this big horror nut. And I do love horror movies. Don't get me wrong. I love them. They're fun. But I'm not as into them as some people would probably think. And I know some people listening to this who know me will probably do a double take at that. <laughs> uh, but, but at the same time, I do enjoy seeing them in the theater. I think, um, the last really, Absolutely terrifying film that I saw in the theater was, uh, The Conjuring. Mm-hmm. Um, and that blew me away. And however, I see The Conjuring, then I go see films like The Gallows. Mm-hmm. And there's like me and like two other people in there, and it's just like, eh. <laughs> I couldn't wait for that to come on TV. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, again, another question to pose to to both of you guys. Uh, as uh, you just brought up, Lewis, uh, the the Conjuring, uh, the Gallows. Uh, one thing that uh, horror is going into now is a lot of paranormal. Uh, we'll start with you, Lewis. Why Why do you think that is? Why do you think it's leaning towards paranormal ghosts, spirits, demons? Uh, possessions, that sort of a thing. Why is it leaning towards that now? I think it's just horror goes through iterations. Um, 80s was all about the slasher films. Michael Myers, Jason, Freddy. Um, the 90s, it kind of, you know, name a horror movie from the 90s besides Scream. Right. <laughs> Can't. Yeah. yeah. Scream was the slasher film making fun of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we get into the early 2000s. It's really when you get the extreme uh, levels of horror, mm. uh, such as Saw, um, Hostel, and then you get all the remakes, the gritty remakes of like Chainsaw Massacre and Hills Have Eyes and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. <laughs> and that pretty much lasted for the whole decade. So I think starting at the beginning of where we are now and we're in the middle of the the teens I guess that's what this will be called um, we I think people just wanted something different and it really did kick off with the uh, the paranormal activity movies in my opinion mm-hmm. um, I'm not a film historian but that's just by noticing more of the uh, supernatural elements and I think we've probably gotten to the peak point now Mm-hmm. And personally, I want to see creature features come back. Yeah, I want a good werewolf movie. Yeah. I haven't seen a good werewolf movie since probably Dalt Soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody knows what that is? Uh, I, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I, that was <laughs> the last good werewolf movie I saw. So <laughs> um, I, I want creature features to come back. And um, just a quick note, Krampus, that just came out this past Christmas, um, 
that was a lot of fun. So I'm hoping maybe that will lead to it. It's definitely going to be one of those cult movies. Well, I'll I was going to say, Eric's going to argue with you here. <laughs> well, I'm not going to, no, I'm not going to argue with him on that because, I mean, I agree. It is a cult type movie. It really takes me back to like the 80s genre type of films, uh, with just the way that they did the costuming, uh, and especially with Krampus himself, you know, it's just very 80s like, hmm. um, not, not much CGI, I don't think. A lot of it was just, you know, costume and wardrobe, mm-hmm. which are the same thing. Why did I say costume and wardrobe? That's <laughs> thoughts. Um, yeah, you know. <clears throat> uh, I do agree and think that it really did all begin with paranormal activity. Um, and I think the reason that people started to, or filmmakers began to create more and more of these ghost type films is because paranormal activity did so well. Uh, it was an independent film when it first came out. Um, it did tremendously well in the box office. Uh, and once the rest of Hollywood saw that and heard, you know, heard that, they're like, okay, let's jump on the bandwagon. And we look at films, uh, recently, when you think of like biblical style films, mm. there's quite a few that have come out. You know, we, we got, uh, uh, Noah, you know, when Noah came out, by far, it's based off a biblical story, but it isn't actually a biblical story because they've completely stretched the limits onto what really happened. Uh, it was just way far off. You know, it was a Christian film created by or directed by an atheist. It was just wasn't going to do it. But because so many people were interested, especially after like, uh, what was it called? Well, AD just recently came out. What's the, what's the, series that came out on TV um, about the Gospels I think it was two years ago now remember it, it, the prequel to the 8 to AD uh, the Bible? The Bi- yeah oh. that's what <laughs> the most simple <laughs> title in the world and I can't it. you know we had the Bible series about two years ago a lot of people really enjoyed that series they came out with the Bible movie people spent money on it even though there wasn't much difference between that and the series they got a lot of money uh, they decided to create AD, which came out this past spring. Uh, they decided to do Noah. They decided to do a couple of other Christian films. They got a new one coming out uh, about the story about Paul, uh, in which Hugh Jackman is actually playing Paul. So that's one that's coming out. There's a, yeah. So there's a lot of these biblical stories coming out now, and it all has to do with money. It's all because of money. And that's the same thing with this ghost thing. You know, there's There's so many ghost films nowadays because... People are making a good buck off of it, you know? And like the Conjuring, you said, is one. Um, the, uh, what's the Connecticut one? Haunting in oh, Connecticut. Haunting in Connecticut, you know? And that's the one, Justin, you and I met uh, the lady who went through that, the, the, the mother yep. uh, <clears throat> whose son had gone through that. Yeah, I can't so we remember met her. Name at, the, at the moment. But yeah, I remember. Yeah, didn't think of it as well, you know? And that's like, these are these type of films where it's just... So much is riding on them, but this whole idea of spiritism that people are willing to spend millions and millions of dollars in hopes of making a few million more than what they put into it. And so far, they've been able to make back quite a bit. But like Lewis said, I think we are starting to get to that top end here, and they're going to have to come up with something else because at the rate I see, and I know I told you this a couple weeks ago, I think, Justin, uh, this whole paranormal, like ghost hunting type thing. It's starting to die down, yeah. you know, with, especially with the shows and you know, ghost adventures and ghost hunters, right, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So, 
I don't know, man. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, we are currently speaking with Lewis Guthrie and his film, well, talking about his film, The Lady in White. We will be back in just a brief moment, but first, let's check out Justin's Paranormal Headlines. And now, Paratruth Radio's Paranormal Headlines. What's going on, Parafans? Justin here with your Paranormal Headlines. And this headline is from NBCNews.com. First Michigan Wolverine spotted in 200 years. A biologist has confirmed the sighting of a real Michigan Wolverine about 200 years after the species was last seen in the state that uses the small but ferocious animals its unofficial nickname. Coyote hunters spotted a wolverine near Ubley, about 90 miles north of Detroit. Michigan Department of Natural Resources wildlife biologist Arnie Carr saw the forest predator Tuesday and snapped pictures of the animal as it ran out of the woods and across the field. The wolverine, a member of the weasel family that grows to about 25 pounds but is ferocious enough to fight off bears and wolves, once ranged across the northern and western United States. It is now limited mostly to northern Canada, Idaho, and Alaska, with sightings in a few other states, but its last confirmed sightings in Michigan were by fur traders in the late 1700s and early 1800s. The appearance is up there with having a caribou or a polar bear turn up, Department of National Resources spokesperson Brad Werfel said Wednesday, is unprecedented. How the scrappy animal returned and even whether it ever really left are mysteries in the state where the best-known wolverines are athletes at the University of Michigan. Raymond Rustum, supervisor of the Natural Heritage Unit in the department's wildlife division, said the wolverine could have traveled to the state, been released, or escaped from captivity. What it means, who knows, Rustum said. When you take a look at the Wolverine, there's always been this debate about whether Wolverines ever were a part of Michigan's recent past. Some evidence shows that, some says no. The Wolverine was on Michigan's endangered species list until the late 1990s when it was removed because it was expected to return, Rustum said. Conservationists asked the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to put the animal on its endangered list in 2000, but the agency in October declined to study whether the species should be added. And this has been Justin with your Paranormal Headlines. This was a segment of Parachute Radio's Paranormal Headlines. What's up, folks? Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And we are on the brand new Paratruth Radio Network. We are currently speaking with Lewis Guthrie. We are talking about his short film, The Lady in White. And we are talking about a couple of other things as well. The genre, horror. Uh, we're also talking about the legend behind The Lady in White. Now, Lewis, we are unfortunately 
really close to the end here, and it's always a sad moment of the episode uh, when we got to let our our guests go. But before we do, we, we do want to give you an opportunity to tell people where they can find you, but also give us a little insight on things coming up, uh, in particular a certain project I know you're working on and maybe anything else that you'd like to cover. Um, yeah, um, I'm pretty accessible. You can find me on uh, Instagram, Guthrie Films on Instagram. Uh, we have a YouTube channel, uh, Guthrie Films 1. Um, there's a Vimeo channel, which is myself, Lewis Guthrie. Uh, as far as we also have a Facebook page for Guthrie Films as well. Um, and we have our own Facebook page for The Lady in White. That's Facebook.com slash Guthrie Films, The Lady in White. Um, and all those are all linked together. So you, you find one, you can find the rest. Um, as far as upcoming projects, um, right now Lady in White is kind of my main focus in post-production, but... I do have another short coming up soon, which, coincidentally, Eric is working on as well. <laughs> uh, it's a short uh, psychological thriller called Knock Knock. Um, and I can't really go into a lot of detail about it, but let's just say it's about a woman who deals with uh, some issues that may or may not be physically manifesting itself into her apartment and is the are these things real or are they not well you're just gonna have to wait to find out i like it <laughs> little teasers just leave it open well as i said it is the end of the show so lewis i would like to thank you for joining us today it was awesome having you on man i uh, hope you had fun Oh, I did. Thank you guys very much for having me. Absolutely. All right. Uh, well, I'm going to go ahead and let you go. We're going to finish out the show here, uh, and I'll check you out tomorrow, man. So I hope you have a good night. All right. You too. Thanks for having me. All righty. Bye-bye. See ya. All right, folks. Lewis Guthrie there uh, on the short film The Lady in White. And uh, definitely looking forward to it. I, Like I said, I saw the trailer and got goosebumps. So I truly believe it's going to be an amazing one, uh, just as the revealed. Uh, so uh, on that note, actually, I will give you uh, the chance to give us any new updates on the reel, getting close to uh, finally coming out, man. It's only a couple I months know. away. A couple months, man, a couple months. Uh, you know, I'm going to go run back through it one more time. I'm currently at Locked Picture. I'm going to run through it again, check the edit. Uh, may change a couple things here and there, but that's all going to be done on Friday. And then I move into post audio okay. in which I get to really just clear everything up, make sure the audio is to a T. Uh, I've got to meet up with my uh, thing, the film. They're doing all the music and sound effects uh, with me. He's currently working on something, and we're going to meet up and discuss it and, you know, just start to tighten things up. Uh, and then finally, coloring, you know, and special effects. Mm. That's probably going to be one of the most interesting and fun parts of the film. Uh, and right now, you know, I have nothing to show right now. Just those of you who are interested, I know you can go on to our website, paratruthradio.com, and click on the Creative Works tab. There you'll find a link to the trailer, the teaser trailer for it. 
check it out. I hope you like it. Love to get your feedback on it. Uh, but yeah, you know, we're only a few months out. Right around May 6th, the week of May 6th, the film's gonna be ready. It's gonna be, uh, gonna be showed. So, really looking forward to getting it out there. It's been a, it's been a crazy, crazy year already so far. I know we've been talking about this for about almost two years now. Uh, and here we are, man, closing in on it. Yeah. The one thing that I like about both yours and Lewis's trailers is yours is just a one or two lines uh, said, and then the rest is just creepy music. And then uh, Lewis's got the uh, the cre- creepy song that I associate with Hocus Pocus because that's where I had heard it. Uh, but mm-hmm. I'm sure it's been around before that. So mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to both. And uh, one of the the genres that I watch most, as I said during the interview, is horror. Uh, don't know why, just one of, I mean, I do like comedy, I do like sci-fi, I uh, on occasion will uh, watch a drama or a chick flick, if you will, uh, here and there, but not very often. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, so definitely look forward to both of them. Uh, super excited for you guys as well because this is the kickstart off to your guys' film careers. Yeah. So uh, that's about all we got for you guys this week. Uh, looking forward to next week where we will have on um, Scott Ramsey about his book, uh, The Aztec UFO Incident. And... Uh, had a great time talking to Lewis. So until next week, guys, you can find uh, where you will find us. Same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. If you enjoyed this episode of Parachute Radio and you would like to listen to it again or are interested in listening to any of our past episodes, then you can listen to them on HD at our website, parachuteradio.com. And you can also find us at Stitcher, Blueberry, TuneIn, iTunes, Spreaker, and YouTube. And of course, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for brand new updates of our show every day. heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, 
All that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to StoicismPod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it.